can I just say one thing? My wife says, where is he going? Welcome to today. Today is a day that you are expecting with anticipation and with some apprehension. Can I get agreement? You were anticipating today, but you were also dreading today with a little bit of apprehension. But either way, today was coming. Can I get an agreement? Amen. Yesterday, we get to say goodbye to. It was full of great things and some not great things. Either way, you will miss it, and at the same time, you will not. You see, today is a day that starts off where yesterday ended. It is a day that we might have planned out or we might have left it at all to chance. To ask you, if you left it to chance, I want to ask you, what are you having for lunch today? My wife says, I don't know. Anybody know what they're having for lunch today? Can I get a hand raise? One, two. Oh, you guys are great planners. The rest of you, I don't know. You guys are haphazardly walking in this life with such uncertainty that we don't even know which way you're going. But the truth is, we could all ask a, a question that we could dread even more. That would really show you how haphazardly and how dreading you look at the day. You ready, baby? What's for dinner? You ever have to look at your spouse and say, honey, what do you want for dinner? And they go, I don't know. What do you want for dinner? I don't know. What do you want for dinner? And it's a round and around event until we finally decide, well, I want spaghetti. No, I want tacos. No, I want this or I want that. I want pot roast. And then we end up getting Chick-fil-A. Chick <laughs> but not today because they're closed. But we have the agony of what it goes along with, with the uncertainty and the haphazardness that we go through. And we try to plan things out, and we try to do all these different things. You see, something that the Lord laid on my heart this week is that we live in a fashion of predictability every single day. It might seem uncertain, it might seem indifferent, it might seem anything that seems like it'd be predictable. But we all have a sense of predictability, and every day that we wake up, Every morning we wake up and we expect to see the sunlight in the sky. Unless you live in this area and you expect to see the clouds hiding the sunlight for months on end. Every day there's news that will hit our ears about something that happens. Every day you will eat, drink, and do the things that happens because you eat and drink. Every day you choose to say today is going to either be a good day or a bad day and speak that into fruition. Every day we struggle with the thoughts in, that might uh, have a questions about the overcoming of this flesh that we battle with. You see, what I'm getting at here is that we live a predictable life that we are willing to have because we're willing to live through it. It is this force of predictability that seemingly makes us walk around in what we call circles every single moment of our lives. Circles. Told you the Lord laid on my heart circles, so we're going to preach about circles. You see, we get trapped in circles. And habits and predictability plans and things like that. I can tell you I wake up every single moment of my life and I go, okay, Lord, what is today going to have that's going to occur? And I can almost predict that I have to wake up Monday through Friday, 
get up, get the kids ready, get the kids out the door, take them to school. Have about a few hours a day to get some stuff done, then I have to go and go pick them up in the different respective car lines and drop them off and do what I need to do and then go and figure out what the next step is. Sometimes it's got some different crazy things that happen. A hospital visit here, a hospital visit there, a, a, a crying spouse over here, a talking to somebody over here because they needed a, the vent or something like that. But there's predictability in the circle that I go through. And the same is true for each and every one of us. If I were to ask you how your day was laid out, you would tell me. I wake up, I get coffee. Then I go and I stare at my spouse with those loving, adoring eyes and tell them, I love you. Anybody? Anybody? Man, you guys are some loving people. The Bible says to love your neighbor as yourself, so I can only imagine what it says about your spouse, who's supposed to be like yourself. <laughs> you see, we get so trapped up in these stupid things of, of, of such complexity in our lives that seem like they're so complex, but they're really not, and the Heavenly Father is looking at us going, okay, you're doing the same old rat race every single day, but there's something that's got to change in your life. You see, God knows one thing for sure. That is when sin entered the world, that a new pattern and, and circle got formed into our lives and all of humanity and that we have to, or to embark and try to contend with. You see, we read the word and we know that this is a new pattern and it's called sin. And my technology is, I'm going to beat it. I know that some of you might say, well, pastor, you're wrong. I don't sin. That would be my wife. She tells me she's perfect every day. I keep telling her. I need to get Jesus' exorcisms going on in her and get all those demons at her because she's lying about it. I know, I know. I, I got to quit picking on you today, don't I? She says, please. But the Lord knows that we're dealing with the struggles and we can't say that we're not. See, what I'm talking about here is the fact that we live in a fallen nature that we struggle with in our lives, and it's often rooted in its ugly head in different forms and fashions in our daily lives. For some of it, it might be an addiction to a substance. Some of it, it might be the gossip that we hand around like it's Christmas Eve every morning. For some of us, that might be the neglecting of our prayer life. For some of us, it might be the, the, the opposite sex and the allure that comes through it. Some of it, it might be the desire for going after the wrong sex. For some of it, it might be the refusal to submit to God. For others, it might be the, the thing that we put our focus on over Him. For some of us, it might be the hurt that others have given us. You see, what I'm talking about here is the Bible calls it sin one way or another. And the thing that, that God is trying to get us to become aware of is that it has to move beyond. It has to move beyond us. Otherwise, it starts becoming what we call a generational curse. Well, pastor, what's a generational curse? A generational curse is something that started within you that you keep passing on over and over again from your kids to your grandkids, and it keeps going and going until something stops it. It becomes a new circle inside your family. In this area, we've got a whole bunch of different prevalent issues that people have as generational curses. And I'm not going to speak about them personally. But I know that there are struggles that people have because they've not seen the circles that they're looking at. But what God is trying to say today is that we have the ability to remove the dysfunction of generational curses in our lives. 
You don't have to keep walking around in the same old circle over and over again, hoping that it's going to change. You don't have to keep circling around thinking, okay, if I look at it long enough and hard enough, it's going to disappear. Let me tell you right now, if I walked around a tree, the only thing that would happen to me is the tree would never fall. I'd just end up wearing a path around the tree so you could see where I've traveled so many times over and over again. And that's the struggle that Christians have, just like the rest of the world. We keep going around and around expecting something to change, but never asking God to come down and do some miraculous work within us. You see, God in his wisdom is desiring to set something up that we need to read today. You see, God is trying to set people free from the dysfunctions that are on full display. And I'm thankful that it's not, that, that when we read about it, that it's not ours, it's, 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 it's theirs. And what I'm saying is I'm thankful that people don't always see all of my dysfunction that I keep circling around. No, the pastor's perfect. No, he's not. The pastor's walking into perfection, but he's still got the imperfection that's going through his life, and he's constantly battling with it. If I'm doing that, I can only imagine what you're battling with. But what God is trying to say is there's some wisdom that can come through your life about the dysfunctions. And what we have to realize is that we can get beyond where we are. And if we look at the text when we're getting ready to read through it, we're going to find that God has set something up in our lives that we can have that will be the reminder that we need to get through every single moment. Amen. You see, the Israelites, they wandered around the wilderness for 40 years. They had the ability to go into the promised land after about 40 days. And what did they do? They complained, oh, we're going to die. Oh, the giants are going to kill us all. Oh, the grasshoppers are going to eat us. Oh, it's got some good stuff over there, but we're all going to die. And then God finally said, enough is enough. You keep telling me that you want to go back into Egypt and put on the chains because it was better there. You want to keep telling me that you're dying in the wilderness when I've been lying, telling you that you were going to live and that you would not surely die. You've been walking around the wilderness telling me that you have no control in your life, but you have to trust me in it. And what you keep doing is going back and saying, God, I don't trust you. Give me back my keys. So after the time when they got told they could go across and they said, oh, it was me. God said, no, it's time for you to go back and start doing some circles. You're going to wander around some time and do some circles. You're going to start losing some of the issues that you keep having on as the circles keep getting different and different because I'm not going to put you on the same path. But then after 40 years of walking around in circles, God looks at Moses and he says, Hey, I want you to go tell the people to get ready. You're not going with them, but I want you to tell them to get ready. You're not going to be the point that's going to be the focus that they're going to have any longer. They're going to start a new circle. But in order to start the new circle, they've got to walk across the water. And that gets us to our text in Deuteronomy chapter 27, verses 1 through 8. And it says, Now Moses and the elders of Israel commanded the people, saying, 
Keep the word, or keep the whole commandment that I have commanded you today. And on the day you cross over the Jordan to the land that the Lord your God has given you, you shall set up large stones and plaster them with plaster. And you shall write on them all the words of the law when you cross over and enter the, uh, the land that the Lord your God is giving you. A land flowing of milk and honey, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you. And when you have crossed over the Jordan, you shall set up these stones concerning which I command you today on Mount Ebal. And you shall plaster them with plaster. And you shall... Build an altar of, to the Lord your God, an altar, an altar of stones, and you shall wield no iron tools on them. You shall build an altar to the Lord your God of uncut stones, and you shall offer a burnt offering on it to the Lord your God. And you shall sacrifice peace offerings, and you shall eat there, and you shall rejoice before the Lord. And you shall write on the stones all the words of the law very plainly. Very plainly. You see, those words that I read this when I was studying this week were like, God, I've skimmed through this so many times. I've read over it so many times. I remember the 12 stones that they put and they carried across the, the, the Red Sea. And they put it on the other side of the Red Sea after they watched all the Egyptians get washed away because God's goodness and provision and protection came across. But I never ever connected the dots when they got over the Jordan that God was declaring that they should build an altar. You see, an altar is a place where you worship God. An altar is a place of remembrance. Of what God has done in and through your life. An altar is a place where you worship God every time you go back and revisit it. And what God was telling Moses as he was telling the people, he says, I want you to go and I want you to tell them the second that they start breaking the circle of life that they've been on, the same thing that they keep dreading and the thing that they're going into is a promise, but they have to will, will, be willing to set up a mark and a beacon of a new start. A new start. Not the old start, not the old thing, not the, the, the repetitive things. It's something that's new. And you're just supposed to write the law, the entire law, plainly on it so that everybody can read about it. And you're just supposed to worship God there, and you're supposed to praise God there, and you're supposed to honor God there. And I asked God, I was like, God, in my prayer time, God, what do you want me to tell the people today? And he said plainly, one key fact, one key saying, or quick saying that we often forget about, is we often repeat what we forget about. We often repeat what we forget about. Otherwise known as the good old age saying, if you don't study history, you're destined to repeat it. We live in a generation that doesn't want to study history. 
They want to modify it. They want to change it. They want to do all these things, and they don't realize that they're destined to repeat it. They want to walk in circles, round and around and around, expecting something to change, expecting something to differ. But we already know that if you're going to keep doing the same old, same old, you're never going to get through it all. And what God was telling me this week as I was studying this is that he's even as quickly as we forget, he wants to set up a thing of a reminder in our lives. A reminder. If I were to ask you a question real quick. Do you remember the day you got saved? Do you remember who you were beforehand? I can already tell you, my wife's going, yes, I know when I got saved. I know the date to the exact T because of this reason I got saved. I've heard it a thousand times over. I don't know the exact date that I got saved. I know the exact moment I got saved, and I know the exact moment that God delivered me from my nicotine habit, which allowed me to walk with more confidence as a Christian. But I want to ask you a question, though. That day is marked in your lives. But that day is also something that we need to have as a reminder. In our house, I have one rule and one rule only. It doesn't exist unless it's in my calendar. It doesn't exist unless it's in my calendar. You see, my wife and I live a life that's busy. My kids, I have five of them. They got way too many things going on. And I have a rule. I try to plan everything out accordingly and intentionally so that way I don't have a repeat or a miss. And if it doesn't go into our family calendar on our smartphones, you can tell me all about it. But it, if, Sister Amy, if it's not there where I can read it at another point in time, I am not going to remember it. So therefore, it's not there. It doesn't exist. And my wife knows it. And we struggle with it. I struggle to put dates in there for her sometimes because of whatever, because I have like 10 different versions of calendars that are not always shared. But what I'm getting at is, is that we are all the same way. We all have this great complex mind that can remember such great, wonderful memories. But it's the little things and sometimes the big things we forget. I can ask my wife, honey, what did we have for breakfast yesterday? And she'll say, we had this. And I said, okay. I asked my kids, what did you have for I had a Pop-Tart with oranges and this. And, and I'm like, why do you remember that so much? Better yet, Lydia comes up to me and goes, Dad, do you remember when I was three years old and you did this, this, and this? And I'm like, no. Why would I remember such a, 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 a ridiculous kind of thought process here? She says, but Dad, I remember it. I said, that's great, honey. You remember it right now. I don't remember it right now. I'm old. Leave me alone. <laughs> but the thing is, we always forget things. How many have forgotten an anniversary? I'll let the hand speak for itself. Najaya, I hope you didn't forget your anniversary already. <laughs> How many of us forgot birthdays? How many of us have forgotten, uh, what, what is it, special uh, date nights? How many of us have forgotten to schedule date nights? How many of us have forgotten things that are important? 
How many of you forgot you had a doctor's appointment and then you never called or never showed and are like, Mr. So-and-so, uh, you were supposed to be here at this time. Was I? And then I look at my wife, honey, did you schedule me appointment? Yeah, did you put it in the calendar? No, oh, that's why I didn't get there. Sorry, babe. <laughs> but what I'm getting truly at is we forget things. And it's nothing bad, just how we are wired. But we have a loving God that says that I know you're going to forget some things that are coming up. And what I want you to realize is that I'm going to set parts in your life that will be things of remembrance that you can go back and revisit. So that way you will not falter any longer. Because I don't want you to keep falling back in the same patterns of repetition of what you once were. Because the bad part about being human is that we have a tendency to go back and do the age-old truth which says that, that we forgot. Oh, I, I, I forgot I did that. How many of us have said, hey, I have my car keys, I know exactly where they are 100% of the times. I'm going to call myself out. If I didn't put my car keys on the hook, the likelihood of me remembering where they are at is very minuscule. If I didn't put my wallet where I always put my wallet every day, because I'm not going to tell you in case you want to come and try to take my wallet, then I'd forget about it. That's why we keep putting these little tracking devices on all of our stuff. So I can go beep, 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 beep. i got to quit digressing here. But if we don't study history, we were destined to repeat ourselves. You see, we struggle with the fact that even though our minds are very powerful, we have to have reminders. We have to have beacons that will bring us back into focus. Things that will go through it, our lives that will say, okay, you were this, but you're not this. I've met way too many Christians that have said, oh, I'm on fire for God. Their lives are radically transformed. And then all of a sudden you're like, aren't you the same guy that I remember before you got saved? God pulled you out of the drugs and the alcohol, and yet you forgot something. You're back in the same stuff again. You went back across the river. You didn't look at the, the stone that was being the reminder of what God has already done for you. But you went back. You go back into the wrong circles. You go back into the wrong places. You go back in the wrong everythings. Because the sad truth is we often walk back to the places we've already been. Because there's some comfort in the places we've been. I kind of find it interesting when, when you start talking to some people in their marriages and they're having marital issues. And, and they come out and they're like, okay, my, my spouse has got X, Y, Z is wrong. And we're like, yeah, okay, I hear your point. And then the, the other spouse gets up, well, this is what's wrong with this person. They don't cook, they don't clean, they don't, yeah, I'm not going in there. But the struggle that they have to go into is they start going back way too far. They start going, okay, I had a girlfriend that was so good to me. I, I, wish, I, I wish you were her. Why can't you be her? Why can't you be that? Or if she goes, well, I had a boyfriend. He gave me everything I wanted. He had all kinds of money. He let me go shopping left and right and get the Gucci purses and the Louis Vuittons and all the other stuff. Trust me, I don't know what a Gucci purse or a Louis Vuitton is, but we'll figure that out one day. I just know the song that comes with it. 
But in marriages, whenever we counsel people and they have conflict, we do tell them to go back. We tell them, why did you get married? I don't know. I, I don't like this no more. This person, so, no. What made you want to go get married? Well, because I fell in love. Okay, what'd you do? What was the wedding like? And we're like, they're like, I don't know. Do you have a wedding number? Yeah. Have you looked at it recently? No. Why don't you go get it? I don't want to. I don't want to look at that. Why? Because I kind of remember some of the things that happened at that wedding. We're like, okay, that's good. Remember it. Go back and read your wedding album. And they open up their wedding album. And then me and my wife, we, we, when this happens, we, we love it when they come back in. They're like, I was so happy once because they were so perfect. And I'm like, yeah. You needed to go back and remember something that God had already done for you. But we have a bad problem about going back beyond what God had already done for us. And we walk around in the dysfunction yet again in the wrong circles. You see, what I'm trying to get at is that what God is trying to declare over our lives and over everybody that, that would actually call on His name is that He's trying to get you to be on the right kind of a circle where He's showing you the good. But yet, we keep going on the wrong tracks. We keep trying to jump back on the old circle and go back into the old habits of all the wickedness and all the dysfunction thinking that it's going to get better. And what God is trying to say is enough is enough. I didn't set you apart and make you go across a whole entire sea after that last circle you went around for 40 years of a wilderness lifestyle to put you on the new promised land where you're going to wander around and you're going to love it there and you're going to be able to worship me there wholeheartedly to let you keep going back and forth like it's on and off switches. He says, no, I set you in a place and a purpose to remind you of the good and not the evil. You see, Jeremiah 29, 11, we could all probably quote it. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Amen. Plans to give you a future and a hope. The plans to prosper you. I'm going to butcher it like crazy, aren't I? My wife says no. Okay, she's my biggest cheerleader sometimes. But yet, we hear those words. And we don't believe it. We don't believe it sometimes. God, you, you know the plans you have for me, but why am I walking around where you, you say I'm supposed to have a, a good and not evil, but God, all I see is wicked. I'm going to jump back on that old circle because it was comfortable. God, you know you have the plans for me to give me a future and a hope. God, it doesn't look so hopeful right now. Because my bank account's gotten dry. My, my, my marriage is starting to get a little bit ruffled and, and, and all these different things. And God's saying, no. Go back again to where I set you free. Go back again to a place of remembrance of what I've done for you. You see, when God was telling the Israelites to go and get the stones and don't hew them and make an altar, then to go and form up some plaster and Put it all over the stones. He could have stopped right there. He could have said, just make me a stone altar and just worship me there. But what God is trying to tell somebody this morning, you have to get beyond where you're at. 
You have to get beyond, and the only way you're going to get beyond sometimes is to revisit what he's already done. And sometimes just seeing a little image of what it is isn't enough. Sometimes when he does the miraculous, you've got to start doing the legwork behind it and actually start making the altar and start putting the plaster on it and writing clear as day, this is what the Lord has done. This is what the Lord has done. On, on March 23rd, 2011 is when the Lord said, I am taking away the cigarettes out of this man's life. I remember it clear as day. 420, what year? 1999. This is what the Lord has done. He has set Melissa Turner free and called her to be his daughter. And how many days of our lives have we had to go back and say, that's what he's done for me. Let me tell you right now, it's easy for me to want to pick up the nicotine again when I get super stressed out. But I go back to that moment and I look at the altar that the Lord has told me to engrave. And I said, this is what he's done. Why would I want to go back? I don't want to jump back beyond the Jordan again. I don't want to go back into a place. I don't want to forget the goodnesses and the mercies that God has given me. And that's what we're called to be. That's what we're called to remember. That's what we're called to hold on to. Because God is so good. Just like I remember in 1998 when I was crying over top of an altar and I'm just weeping. I have snot going down my throat and my nose and everything. And I'm just asking God, God, I'm a wretched mess. But God, I need a hope and a Savior. And I can remember clear as day the Lord says, I am He. And I wrote on it that year. This is the year that I got saved. What is it that you've wrote on your altar that the Lord has done? What is it that, that the Lord has brought you from one roundabout circle to another and you said, okay, this is what he's done for me this far. This is the new starting point that I've started off today. I'm not repeating the same old stuff. This is the new one. What is it that you've wrote on it? How often are you going back and revisiting it saying, God, will show me again what you've done for me so that I can have hope and joy and peace again even when the enemy wants to cause so much discouragement. Why is it that we keep going back? Because the place of a new starting point that God is trying to get us onto is truly the change of the path that we've always been meant to walk. I can tell you I have confidence with what I've read. The Lord has led the people out of bondage into the promised land. He took him out of Egypt and he set up a new starting point at Mount Sinai when he gave them the law. And they watched them be led by fire by night and smoke by day. They witnessed God. They watched Moses' face shone with the glory of God that he had to put a bell over top of his face. They watched God call on Moses and cast judgment upon their wickednesses and everything else, but they also saw the provisions of God with manna and with the quail and with the water in the wilderness and with the promise of victory and the battles of everybody that would come against them. But yet they walked around in circles, waiting for the promised land. 
But it wasn't until Moses was about ready to be done that God commanded them to make a new circle. You see, I think some of us are still walking in some old circles that you're not supposed to call to walk in any longer. What would that be like? I don't know. You might have been a wicked person, but now you're a good person, what you classify yourself. But what God is saying is it's not enough to be good any longer. You've got to start being a little bit more saved. Some of us, it might be that we got saved back in the day, but, but our walk had grown stagnant, and God's saying it's no longer that circle that you're supposed to walk on any longer. It's time for you to move on beyond just being... Though I lay my head to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Kind of Christian. He might be calling you to be a little bit more boisterous and more victorious. Walking in the, 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 the circle like what David would walk. He might eventually call you to walk into a circle of a prophetic gifting. I don't know. But what I know is that God is trying to call and wake up his church to rig them realize it's time to step into the new starting point. The new starting point. Sometimes that might have to go with the getting rid of the old junk. Oh, I said junk. I'm not allowed to say junk, am I? <clears throat> the old stuff. Sometimes that might be people. The ones that were telling you that God is not for you. It's time to get rid of those people out of your life. And that's what God will separate out in some of these circles that we walk around in. People that are trying to convince you to forsake God and, and to put trust in, 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 in their own ideas and, and cause division. Sometimes it might be places that God might be trying to get you out of, 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 of points on the map where you're tempted to return to that you were once in. That's why he's called you to cross over a Jordan. That's why he lets you walk across on dry land so that you would have the reminder and the hope. Sometimes that might be things, the old chains, the trades, and the influences that you might be encountering in your life. Sometimes God's trying to get you to waken up to the dreams that you might have had in your life. Sister Amy, it's hard to tell people that sometimes your dreams do not always match up with what God has got going on. Oh, you mean I'm not supposed to go marry Cinderella? No, she's a fairy tale fiction character. Oh, I'm not supposed to have Prince Charles. No, you can't have Aladdin either. Lord knows, my kids keep telling me they want to date cartoon characters. I don't get it. But sometimes our dreams and our intentions are not always what align up with what God has. Trust me, I had a dream of becoming a wilderness man that lived in the wilderness of Alaska, never getting married or having kids. It might happen one day. We'll see. <laughs> but it didn't line up with God. And he had to remove that circle out of my life and bless me with the circle of my wife and five daughters. He gave me a dream to move beyond just being in the, the different medical fields and things like that. And he called me in the ministry. A new dream. Better yet, he changes our ambitions. The thing that drives us. The desires and the ideals of what your life is. And he says, it's time to get off that circle. And start pursuing me. Start circling who I am. 
Start walking around with me, keeping your eyes on the prize of glory. As you walk around me and you pursue me and you start looking at me like what Moses used to look at me at Mount Sinai. And you start seeing the glory start shining on. See, all of these things are being addressed in the journey that we're on today. All of these things are the thing that God is trying to awaken us up to today. Because what God is trying to get us to really hold on to is Him. He wants us to make altars where we worship Him. Places that we can remember what He's done, but places we can return to to say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you've done for my life. Thank you for how you've changed me. Thank you for how you've made me better. Thank you for what you, 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 you let me get away from. Thank you for getting rid of this dysfunction that I've carried around and allowing me to see a perfection that I can chase after. You see, the truth is that God's plans are higher than ours, and we are struggling to process them. But one thing that God is trying to tell us today is that we need to ask Him to teach us what our messes are. What our messes are. And ask Him to show us how we can get through the messes and to get on the proper path. Sometimes we might have to revisit that a couple times, the messes. It's not always a one and done. Sometimes we might have to revisit the, 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 the depression. Sometimes we might have to revisit the other issues that we could encounter. Sometimes we end up the same messes over and over again because what God is trying to do is to wake you up to where you're at. If you, everybody will stand with me this morning. I still have more notes, but I see the time, and I don't even care about the time. I just feel what the Lord is trying to say this morning. I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what your life has been encountering all this time. But what I know the Lord is trying to say is it's time to make a new altar. It's time to, to, to start getting to work and, and putting on to what today is that says the Lord blessed me. The Lord delivered me from this today. The Lord is helping me through this step today. Because today is the new starting point. Today is the moment that if you will allow God to come in and make a new change in your life, you will see the good come through it. But it all starts with today. It all starts with the surrender today. It all starts with the heart today. Every head bowed and every eye closed. <clears throat> Have you been struggling going around in the same old revolving circle and trying to figure out if there was a way to change it? And you know that the Lord is leaning on your heart this morning to wake up and to look to Him. And you want to make that change today. If that's you this morning, raise your hand. Is there anybody in the house of the Lord? I see one. Two. Anybody else this morning? Three? Okay. If that's you online this morning, just let us know. You don't have to put it in the chat. You can email us or text us one way or another. We want to know who you are. Because what we're going to do is we're going to say a prayer this morning that's going to be the new starting point. A new circle that God is going to lead you on as he leads you through the wilderness of your life and shows you the promised land. But it all comes through the heart's choice. 
Because these words mean nothing if you don't really truly mean it. It's everything in you. So if everybody will repeat with me. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I'm a mess. But you're the one that can make me perfect. Today, Lord, I believe that you died on the cross and rose from the dead to purchase my salvation and to make me son or daughter of the Most High. So today, Lord, I'm declaring, Jesus, that you're the Lord of my life. And that today, I'm making an altar and a declaration that the enemy will have no more power to say that I'm not yours. I'm writing on my heart today, Lord. I'm yours. Lord, I give you it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just give a round of applause for those? You see, today is the first day of many. And like I told you, today is today. Tomorrow's coming. And I'm eagerly with anticipation waiting to see his goodness and glory every single moment. But today, I'm going to wander around and give him the glory. So today, let's just set it us with a purpose. To make him our purpose. To let him be the focus. To let him be the thing that we wear up the ground on because we're so desperately eager for him. So Father God, today I thank you for who you are. I thank you for every single person that was here this morning. I thank you for every single person that was watching online or later today, Lord. Or even listening through whatever means, Lord. Lord, I ask that you just touch us and give us the victory today. Lord, to know that you're good. That your promises are true, Lord, that we can hold on to them. But Lord, let us make a new starting point today that we can hold on to you even longer and even greater, Lord. And tomorrow, let us make a new starting point with the promises of what you've already done. Because your word says, by the words of our testimonies, that there is freedom. And those testimonies are the promises that we write down. Lord, we give you all the glory, give you all the honor and all the praise. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Church, I love you all. Go and love your neighbor as yourself because you love the Lord God with everything in your heart. Go and be the church. I love you all.